Thank you, Jordan. All right. Welcome. And it is good to be here this morning. It is so fun to be here and to see the empty seats, knowing that we have so many people overseas right now in Scotland. It's so fun thinking of them. And as we start this morning, I just I want to pray again. I want to pray uh, for us, but I want to pray for them. I think it would be a mistake if we were to gather here this morning and not pray for the third uh, of us that isn't here today. That so We've got 55 adults and children in Scotland right now. Um, going there to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to, to share with people about uh, this God, this loving Father that we've been singing about this morning and calling them to repentance, saying, come home. Yeah. Let's pray for them. Thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you for this amazing opportunity that we have to gather together in your name. And thank you for those that aren't here, that are a part of this body, a part of this family, that have gone and have chosen to give up vacation time and to give up a part of their summer to go and to meet with people who don't know you and to share your love with them. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and grace them on this trip? Would you, would you pour out a grace on them? Uh, a grace of endurance to make it, uh, those, especially those that have kiddos on this trip. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and be with them. Fill them. Speak to them. I pray that not only would this trip be impactful for, for the people of Scotland, but that it would be impactful for the 55 of us who have gotten to go. That they would, uh, they would get to see you more clearly. They would know you uh, better as a result of being on this trip. And uh, that they would come back Hungry, and that their hunger would uh, rub off on us, and that uh, we all would be discipled in what it means to go and to bear the name of Jesus, to be made in your image, and to, to, to be transformed into your image, and to represent you rightly to those around us who don't know you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, here we go. Here we go. All right. Today we are starting a new series uh, is on the uh, New Testament. This new series will include uh, the next four weeks, including today with myself. And then we've got uh, next week, Ron Stoller is bringing us a word. Praise God. And then the week after that, John West. Hallelujah. He's in Scotland, so he'll come back and and then uh, give us a word. And then, uh, let's see, we've got Patrick Poor following up that week, which is going to be so fun. I think he, too, is in Scotland. So here we go. Uh, now, these sermons all have at least one thing in common, in that they are all, uh, each one of these sermons will have been found from a book in the New Testament. We all have heard God from this book and then sought to bring you what we believe God is uh, saying. That, and that might be the only thing these four sermons have in common. We did not get together and discuss a theme or a topic, we just said, hey, we're going we're gonna to look at, for four weeks, we're going to look at the New Testament and see what God has to say to us. So four different individuals looking at four different books, I think. I don't even know the rest of the books. Uh, they might be doing the same one that I'm doing. I don't know. So, but today, today, as we start things off, the message that I want to bring to you today is out of the book of Ephesians. Amen. So let's jump in. Grab your Bibles and something to take notes with and stand with me. For the reading of the word. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians 5 verses 15 through 21. And the verses will be on the screen. But I'd encourage you if you have your Bible to read along. It might be a different translation than what we're reading in. Might help you get some more context there. Uh, Ephesians 5 15 through 21 says this. Therefore be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men but as wise. 
making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish. Elbow your neighbor. Don't be foolish, (laughs) but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. Elbow your other neighbor. I don't (laughs) know. For that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You may be seated. This is our text this morning. And uh, as we get started this morning, what I want to do um, is, is I, want, I want to ask you to hold a question in your mind as we look at this scripture today. I want to have a discussion uh, about this question. I want us to seriously consider this question. Uh, that's my goal for today is to have a discussion around this question. The question is, am I living under God's influence? Am I living under God's influence? If I had a title for today's sermon, and if you were the note-taking type, that's what you would write down as the title of the sermon. Uh, That's the main thing we'll be discussing today. Am I living under God's influence? I believe that God wants us to ask ourselves that question today. I personally think that's a great question to ask ourselves. I believe that God is going to speak to us concerning this question, am I living under God's influence? Another way to ask it is, am I living under his influence or conversely, am I living my own life not under his influence? Let's hold this question before us today. We'll get to a discussion on it. Let's hold it though for now and let's go back and look at our text. Does that make sense? You guys holding it? Awesome. So while you're holding that question, let's jump back in. Now in our text this morning... Uh, It it is found in this letter that uh, the Apostle Paul writes to a group of Christ followers in this city called Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. You knew that. And we're in chapter 5. But up to this point, mainly in chapters 1 through 4, Paul has been painting this big picture for these Christians, for these Christ followers. It's called theology. He's teaching them about who God is, who they are, and as a result, what their life could and should look like. Uh, as a result of here's who God is and here's, how you, uh, here's who you are. Here's how he defines you. Here's your new identity. He is writing this theology, giving them boundaries and instructions on how to live. Chapters 1 through 4. He kind of turns the page, so to speak, in chapter 4. And he really hones in on some of these instructions on how to live. And there's a lot that we could have looked at this morning as we opened to the book of Ephesians. We could have preached this whole year on uh, the book of Ephesians, but we are looking at what he said here in chapter 5. We're looking at these verses, and I want to jump back in and kind of go through them. If you'll notice, in the, what we read this morning, there was three contrasts that Paul makes. He has these three contrasting statements, and I want to look at those uh, this morning uh, as we're holding this question in our mind, am I living under God's influence? So let's look at them again. The first contrast that Paul makes is, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So he's contrasting the unwise and the wise. The second one, he says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's contrasting foolishness and understanding the will of the Lord. Those are opposites. 
He's contrasting them. The third one, he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He's contrasting being drunk with wine with being filled with the Spirit. These are opposites. This first one, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Paul is continuing some thoughts that he's already started developing in chapter 4. He's been giving these instructions on how to live and as a result, uh, of, as a result of who they now are. He's been, he's been saying, this, these are the boundaries for your life. These are the instructions for your life. So walk wisely in these ways. Don't do these things. Do these things. These are boundaries. He's pointing to some of these boundaries. He's saying these, this is who you are so, and there are some boundaries that you have in your life now. These boundaries he talks about... Um, uh, anger, and he talks about sex, he talks about lying, gossip, slander. He says all these things will derail you from living the way that you're called to live and from who you are now to be. And these are definitely not wise or the will of the Lord things. Instead, he, he gives instructions and points these Christ followers to their new lives to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, he says, to put on the new self. That they have been given or they have been granted. This new self, he says, is in the likeness of God, created in righteousness, holiness, and truth. He's saying not to do these things, which the old self would have done, but instead to be renewed by the Spirit and do these things. He also points to not grieving the Holy Spirit by doing these things that you would have done in your old self. They will hinder you from living the way God has intended for you to live. And Paul continues this thought here as he's contrasting the wise and the unwise. He's making the same point. Be wise and make the most of your time. Not wasting your time on those things, grieving the Spirit, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't do this stuff. Be filled with the Spirit. Make the most of your time by making good choices, being wise. The second one, he says, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. The second contrast. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Again, he's continuing here and developing ideas that he's already started. To live according to the new self that he's given them. And Paul is saying to live foolishly is to ignore God's will. It's pretty basic stuff, I know. But he's saying to live foolishly is to ignore God's will. He says if you want to live unfoolishly or wise... Uh, He says, understand what the will of the Lord is. He's contrasting foolishness and understanding the the will of the Lord. And again, uh, that's a knowledge thing. That's in your head, being renewed by the Spirit in your mind. Now, as we look at these things, I know it's really simple stuff to look at and to say, okay, be wise, not unwise, and and don't be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. But these are major concepts all throughout the New Testament. And... Uh, I want to look at uh, a story just briefly. We're not going to pull it up. I'm just going to point to it. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus contrasts some things as well. He contrasts uh, hearing what he says and doing it with hearing what he says and not doing it, not responding to him. And the way that he makes this contrast is he points to these two uh, men who are building their houses. And he says, one, the one who hears my words and does them is like a man who builds his house on the rock. 
the one who hears what I say and does not do the words that I say. He's like a man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storm came, that house fell, and the Lord and Jesus said, and great was his fall. He even called this man foolish in that story. Sounds a lot like what Paul is saying here. Don't, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I bring up that story to just drive home what Paul is saying here, that wisdom and understanding the will of the Lord is knowing what God says to do and doing it. That's what Paul is saying in these contrasts. Know what God is saying to do and do it. Another way that Paul says this, and I think this is worth pointing out, uh, is he, he says this earlier in chapter 5 in, in verses 8 through 10. He, he talks about learning what is pleasing to God, which is so encouraging to me. Because it, it, the learning word is very helpful for me. Because there's one thing to say, know what God is saying and do it. It's like, okay, okay, but what is he saying? I don't know. It says, he says this in verse 8, For you were formerly darkness, but you are now light in the world. Walk as children in the light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's very encouraging to me. <laughs> when I hear that, if you don't know, try to learn. Try to learn. He's continuing to develop these thoughts. And he continues here in this third contrast. Do not be drunk with wine, for this leads to dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, to me, it's obvious that Paul is not equating the outcome of these two things here, although some people do believe that. But to me, I think that this is like the other two contrasts in the fact that it is a contrast. (laughs) Think of it this way. When you are drunk, you are under the influence of alcohol. And someone who is drunk lacks the ability to make great choices. Dissipation means an abandoned life. It says this will lead to an abandoned life. Another way of saying that is an uninhibited or a life without bounds. And Paul is talking about boundaries and instructions. He wouldn't encourage you to live a life without bounds while he's talking about these boundaries and instructions. He is saying to live, conversely, under the influence of God. And when you're under his influence, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you are under his influence and you make the choices necessary to live the way he's called you to live and to be the person he's called you to be. So don't be drunk with wine because that leads you to living without bounds, but rather be filled with God's Holy Spirit. This is wise because it leads you to understanding what the will of the Lord is and living a life that is pleasing to God. And Paul goes on in our text today, in verses 20 and 21, uh, he says that those who do these things, those who live as wise men, those who know the uh, understand the will of the Lord, uh, and are filled with the Spirit, these people will worship God, give thanks, and are submitted to one another. That's basically what he says in the rest of the verse. It's like he's saying, uh, this is what it will look like for you when you live under God's influence. You'll worship God with songs. In your life, you'll just worship him. You'll give thanks to him. You'll acknowledge God's presence in your life. You'll acknowledge his hand in your life. And you'll live mutually submitted to one another. That's our text. Look at that. All before 11. That's our text this morning. I wanted to go through that because I wanted us to see that God is uh, here through Paul speaking to the Ephesians. And he's saying, live under God's influence. 
And he's pointing to uh, so much in Ephesians. But I think the, the big picture of Ephesians is saying this is now available for you. This new life is now available for you to live under God's influence. And ultimately, when I look at this letter from Paul to the Ephesians, I believe he is sharing this theology, these boundaries, and these instructions to lead the Christians of Ephesus in living under God's influence. And Paul is showing them that this is actually freedom. It, 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 there's a lot of stuff in there that's pointing to different boundaries. There's a lot of stuff that's pointing to do's and don't do's and all this stuff. But this is actually freedom, Paul is pointing to these uh, folks here in Ephesus. And how do they live in this freedom? What is their instruction? To live under God's influence. And this is the discussion that I want to have today with you. So they give up their lives, they turn from their own lives, and they turn to him, and they say, I want to live under your influence now, not my own, not the world's influence. I want to live under your influence, and I'm going to believe that your way is better. They submit to his life, and they live life under his influence. Again, it's all pointing to this in Ephesians. Think about it this way. A loving father gives boundaries and instructions to his children. You know, why does he do this? To lead them in experiencing life that is actually life-giving. I know my children need the instruction and the boundaries. Like a good father, God is giving us here boundaries and instructions to lead us into life. He's giving us his influence so that we can step into the life that he actually has for us. Now, I try to do this, as I said, with my kids. I try to do it well. Sarah and I try to do it. She does it way better than I do. But we try to give boundaries to our children. And specifically, this is a really silly analogy, but I want to bring it up this morning to just paint the picture of what's going on here. We have two older boys that are really into uh, building Legos right now. They will build Legos, and they will just spread them all out all over the floor, which is amazing. And it's so fun. And it is my will for them that they play with Legos. I love it. You can say it's my will uh, for them to play with Legos. I'm going to step in. It gives me an excuse to play with Legos when they play with Legos. Um, But it's awesome for everybody when they play with Legos. Except my (laughs) one-year-old. Because he puts everything in his mouth. And he doesn't listen to my instruction yet uh, the way that the older two do. And so I have to give them some boundaries Mainly Sarah gives them some boundaries. Hey, these can't leave the room. These Legos have to stay in your room. Because if not, baby William might pick one of them up and eat one of them. And our our three-year-old son, Hudson, likes to just drastically uh, quote us and just dramatically take it too far. But he always says, if he picks up one of these, he's going to (laughs) die. He will choke and die. It's silly, but it is a boundary that I give so that they can enjoy. Now, when they are playing with those Legos, am I telling them exactly what to build? No. Am I telling them that, that the dragons they're building don't actually, uh, they shouldn't actually have wheels and propellers? Like, dragons don't have that stuff, okay? No, I'm not telling them stuff like that. They have the freedom to play with the Legos, but it is under my influence within these bounds that they can play with the Legos. There is a right way to do it. It's never my will for them to throw them at somebody else or leave them on the floor, but it is my will that they have fun and play with these Legos. That's a silly way of saying what I think Paul is kind of pointing to here in Ephesians. 
There is a freedom in this new life that God has given us to live, grow, learn, love, and enjoy all that God has created. Yes, there are boundaries, but within them, there is so much freedom. Like a father just trying to set up boundaries for his kids to learn how to navigate this life and grow up without being harmed or harming someone else. They need the boundaries. We do too. And Paul's instruction here in chapter 5 is how to navigate this freedom that we've been given. And he says to live under God's influence. As a child would live under the influence of a good parent. So, we're thinking about it, but remember that question I had you hold on to. Am I living under God's influence? This is the discussion that I wanted to lead us in this morning. Is discussing whether or not you're under God's influence. And... The way that Paul writes about it, again, the way that he answers the question, what does this look like? What does living under the influence of God look like? He points to being wise, understanding the will of the Lord, and being filled with God's Holy Spirit. So, logical conclusion would be to ask ourselves those questions. Can we say that we're living wisely? Can we say that we know what the will of the Lord is for our life or for today? Can we say that we're filled with God's Holy Spirit? Are you living under God's influence? Or are you living without His influence, just living your life? You'll be influenced by something, but will you choose for it to be God? I think if we're honest, uh, I think we would say that it would be very easy to know all about God, to know a lot about God, and not be influenced by Him. To attend church even, and not be under his influence, to say all the right things, and not be living under his influence. Another way of asking this might be, uh, are we even open to his influence? Or are we just making our own decisions, never once considering what God would say to do? Another way of asking it could be, Are we actually living as Paul said Christians live? Or are we just Christian by name only? I think to really hit on this, what what, what I mean by this question and what I intend for us to have a discussion on today, I just I want to say that living under God's influence, like Jesus said in the in the story where he's contrasting the, the two men who built their houses, it means Living under God's influence means knowing what God is saying and responding to it and doing it. Now, are you doing this? I think this is a a question that we could ask if we're struggling to answer the question, am I living under God's influence? Do you know what God is saying and are you responding to it? So if you're struggling to answer the question, are you living under God's influence? It might be because I haven't asked the question uh, in a way that makes sense to you, but it also might be because you don't know what God is saying to you. You're not sure what he would say about living wisely to you. You're not sure what the will of the Lord is for your life or for today. You're not, or you're not filled with God's Holy Spirit. Maybe you know this. Maybe you know I've never turned to actually follow him and to make him the Lord of my life. Or it might be another option that you know what he says to do, And you're not doing it. Like the second man who built his house on the sand and chose not to. You know what he would say about living wisely. You know what the will of the Lord is. And you know you need to seek things that are pleasing to him. Mainly, be filled with his spirit. And you're not doing it. 
Whether you identify with one of those two or not, whichever one of those you find yourself in, if you find yourself in one of those, my encouragement for all of us, for you, is to seek to resolve this question. Am I living under God's influence? Seek to resolve that question as early as you can in every day. It's got to be priority number one. Am I going to live under his influence today? Do I know what he's saying to me so that I can live under his influence? We have to be able to answer the question, what is God saying to me if we're going to live under his influence? So the reason I say that, again, is because if you don't know what God is saying, how can you do it? And if you're not doing what he says, how can you be living under his influence? So every day, let's resolve to answer the question, God, what are you saying to me? As early as we can every day. As early as we can every day, let's resolve to answer that question. What are you saying to me? Now, how do we do that? What are the practicals that I have for you today? There's really just one. It has some bullet points under it, but there's really just one. Spend time seeking him. He says that he can be found. So seek him while he can be found. The door is open. The invitation is still there. God is this loving father that we've talked about who desires to be in relationship with you, who desires to reveal himself to you. He's given his son to that end, and he's now given us his spirit to that end to reveal himself to us. The Bible says he is a father who looks to inherit sons and daughters. And like the story of the prodigal son, all we have to do is to turn from our way of living and run to him. So seek him while he can be found. The bullet points under this are obviously read his word. What is God saying to me? Well, he's given you his Bible. Pray and ask God's Holy Spirit who dwells in you to speak to you. So read his word. Pray and ask him to speak to you. And number three, involve others. Involve others. Surround yourself with people who are filled with God's Holy Spirit. And seek to hear from God through them. Ask them to pray for you. Follow him alongside them. Get around people who are influenced by God's Holy Spirit. Now, I have the amazing privilege of leading our life groups here at Antioch. And these are groups of people who are doing this. So if you don't have a group of people that are influenced by God, that you can seek to follow God with, that you can seek uh, to find Him with, I would love to connect you to one. We have uh, all the info you need in the connect area after church. That's just a brief plug. If you don't have, if you're like, that's a great idea, involve others, but where am I going to find these others? We have people who meet in homes every week to do this. They seek to follow Jesus. They seek to hear from him, be involved in each other's lives, speak an encouraging word into their lives. Now, I, I, I mentioned a couple of things like hear from God and seek to do this every morning, read his word and ask God's Holy Spirit to speak to you. But I just briefly want to say that I know that that can be really hard sometimes to navigate knowing whether or not if you're hearing from God. It can be really hard to navigate that question like, wait, okay, he's given me the Bible, but you're saying, ask him what he's saying to me today. That's really hard. I've been in that place. And, and I think that there are probably seasons coming where I'll be in that place again. But the seeking and pursuing him is important. 
And I, what I want to say to that is if you're not sure of what he's saying to you now, return to the last thing that you're confident he said to you and make sure that you've done it. Make sure that you've responded to it. And if you're not sure that he's ever spoken anything to you individually or personally, then look at what he's told every Christ follower to do. My friend Bo Wilfong calls these things the greats. He has this book called Be Great. It's amazing. You should read it. There's a plug. But he says, he says, do the greats. These are the things everybody has been told to do. The great commandment and the great commission. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Are you doing that? Are you trying to love God with everything you have? He's told you to do it. Jesus said that was the greatest commandment. And to love others the same. The, greatest com- the great commission, preach the gospel, call others to repentance, tell others about Jesus, and, it- and encourage them to follow him. Are you doing that? If you want to live wisely and understand the will of the Lord, be filled with the Spirit. These are things that you would do. So in conclusion, I want to encourage each one of us, no matter how we think we can answer the question, am I living under God's influence? I want to encourage us to resolve this question as early as we can every day. As early as we possibly can every day. Pray and ask His Holy Spirit who dwells in you to speak to you and involve others. Involve others on this journey. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as they're coming up, I, just, I want us to seriously consider this question. Are we living under the influence of God? I know it's a question. <laughs> I know it's a thing to consider on a Sunday morning. You know, it's, hey, we're here. We're worshiping God. We're together. Most of us probably can answer this question. Yes, I think I am. But for, uh, for the people who, are living, uh, who have been living under God's influence for decades, or if you're just getting started, or if you're about to make the decision today, I think the call still remains to resolve this question every day. God, what are you saying to me? And how can I do it? Seek Him, come near Him, speak to Him, invite Him to speak to you. That's my desire for us today as we respond. We're going to worship, end our time with worship. Our prayer team is going to come up to the front and we're just going to have this moment where I would love for you to consider this question and consider, am I... Do I know what, it, what God would say for me to be wise or to not be foolish, but to live under his influence and to know the will of the Lord? Am I filled with his spirit? If you can't answer yes to these questions, come and receive prayer this morning. If you're here and you think you should be sure and you think you should be sure that you know God, you know you're in his will. But, but there's something going on that you're just, I, I'm not 100% certain. This thing and this question mark in the back of my head keeps coming up on, I just don't know. I don't know. Come and receive prayer. Come seek him. Let this be a moment of coming forward and receiving prayer to come and seek him. Let this be an act, a physical representation of your seeking him this morning. Come hear him speak to you. Come tell a brother or a sister about it and receive prayer for it. You're at church, so come get prayer. The decision that all of us have is the same decision that we'll have for the, every day for the rest of our life is, will we live under his influence or won't we? 
Or will we hear what he has to say and do it, or won't we? And this morning, as we jump into worship, I want you to consider that. And wherever you find yourself in that spectrum, yes, I know God and I'm living in his will, or I've never met him, or anywhere in between, I want you to know that he is ready to meet with you and to speak to you. And you're at church, what a better, there's no better place to come and to receive prayer and say, I just want to hear from God today. I want to hear from him. I want to seek to do what he says. So let's do this together this morning. And I'm going to invite you to stand as our worship team is going to lead us. Our prayer team is going to be up here. Please come and receive prayer.